0: Yeah, yeah. No cap all facts. Here we go. Listen. I can move across the aisle, never think twice. got me trying to see the light. Hey everybody, how you guys doing out there? This is your boy Quentin. Uh, the host of the Manology Project podcast where we uh, de- dive deep down and understanding what our values, our identity, and our purpose is. Uh, I got a special show for you guys tonight, Uh, basically, uh, well, I guess November kind of ended the whole mental or men's mental and physical health um, awareness, and so what I wanted to do is I wanted to bring on uh, a new friend of mine uh, uh, and introduce Mr. Dr. uh, Jamie Sneal. How you doing, sir?
1: Hey, how you doing, Quentin? I am very glad to be here. I'm part of the Menology Project.
0: Oh thank you sir. thank you, sir. uh yeah, and so what I want to do is I want to bring uh Dr. Snell on here so we can just have a conversation based around uh men's mental health and then men's physical health um basically, you know, man, I went and looked up all these stats right
1: let's hear it let's hear let's, what
0: you cross? let me let me just give first of all why we have to have this conversation okay yes. uh first of all, we're gonna talk about men's uh we're going to talk about men's mental state okay uh which was really really disturbing that we actually suffer a little bit more than what i even thought we did as men um and i know we had a brief conversation about that and uh it was very brief i didn't really understand the totality of right of, right. of men actually being really spun out of control mentally Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and I think we discussed that before, which is because basically we're very strong, you know, we're taught to be strong, you know, don't right. you cry, uh, suck right. those tears in. And I think that that is maybe the wrong message to send.
1: Absolutely. Uh,
0: basically, it says nearly one out of 10 men experience depression and anxiety.
1: I can believe that. Absolutely. Yeah.
0: It says this. This is so crazy. Men die by suicide 3.5 to 4% higher than women.
1: That's right. That's right. That's huge.
0: And this is something that I really want to speak to too is that it says every about six out of every 10 men experience at least one trauma in their life. And and basically, and I'm not talking about like just your regular old Vietnam war vets or or you know, anyone who served the country. We're talking about just regular men who experience trauma. Now, so like we know, like in, um, uh, well, before we get on that, why don't you just give the people just a little background? Cause I'm amped about talking about this. And so <laughs> I'm about to get ahead of myself, but go ahead, so just kind of introduce yourself uh, so that, you know, people can actually know exactly what you do. And then, um, and then that'll help us move right into the uh, the discussion.
1: All right. Thanks Quentin. Uh, so yeah, my name is Dr. Jamie Snell. I, I'm a physician. Uh, My specialty is a little different from what we'll be talking about today. I am a pediatric anesthesiologist. I um, I work at the Children's Hospital of Michigan here in Detroit, uh, home of the largest percentage of African-Americans in the entire U.S. We have an 85 percent African-American demographic here, so the the patients that I take care of in the community that I live in very much represents, um, you know, our people. And what, what we're talking about today. Uh, personally, I'm originally from Louisiana, uh, born and raised there. I went on to college in Florida at uh, Florida A and M, one of our glorious HBCUs. Uh, oh, yeah. Now that we have a, now that you have a, a black vice president, female vice president coming to the office, the HBCUs HBCU. are just on that. Right.
0: <laughs> right.
1: People actually know what that uh, abbreviation stands for now. Uh, But yeah, after graduating from FAMU, I went to Harvard for medical school, spent a few years up in Boston, uh, then went on to uh, NYU where I did residency um, in anesthesiology, back to Boston and Harvard for uh, a pediatric fellowship. I also spent six months in Rwanda uh, working on global health. Oh, yeah. And while I was there, I kind of realized that my... My resources and my experiences would be better served um, in an area that was a lot more similar to to my own cultural background. Just because we share the same um, ancestors as our brothers and sisters in Africa doesn't mean that we are African. Right. Here, as an African-American, I'm working with a few organizations that focus on uh, urban health disparities and that's kind of where i found my academic niche and and my purpose here in detroit
0: and how long you guys been back here in detroit
1: uh so let's see my wife uh dr brittany cardi snell who's also a physician she's a dermatologist uh yeah she's originally from here and we moved 2016 same year we got married and so uh, that's uh that's my family of three here in the d
0: <laughs> <laughs> nice nice oh uh, well basically then um because i think that's really cool to come back and then serve uh, in detroit because basically um i think that it's really needed uh uh, even though you, you know, you've been kind of—I'm sure that Rwanda was a was quite a um, an eye opener. Yes, uh, yes, it was. Uh, my younger brother uh, w- spent some time on a mission trip in Africa, and he said it's very eye opening um, over there, uh, yeah. especially to what we are available, what we have available to us here. Resources—that's um, right. Yeah. All the resources we have, which is—and I'm, I'm, I'm bringing it up because when we're talking about men's mental health, and then we're talking about the amount of resources that we have here in the States, uh, you would not think that this would actually be a crisis or something that we would actually have to dive in and actually have to bring some awareness to it uh, every, it should be every month, basically. uh, Because I think it'll give men an opportunity to actually share. So what what I want to do is create this platform so that we can at least just have a conversation about it Right. Uh, Being from the medical side, you really understand all the the mind or the mental state behind uh, the physical side, not saying that you can't touch on the mental. But I know from a physical piece uh, and maybe we'll just kind of I was going to start mental, but I think maybe we'll start with the physical piece, because in our own culture, Mm -hmm. going to the hospital, man, is like kind of like a death sentence. It's like.
1: (laughs) And, and, and you know you, that it's interesting you, you you bring up um what that transition means especially in the context of um let's talk about the extreme so the extreme is is what we see in sub-saharan africa so they're without as many resources and this is kind of akin very similar to the, what the us looked like a couple hundred years ago um most people had private physicians if you have if you have money if you're in a certain social status you have a private doctor okay hospitals were only established for the sake of taking care of those who were poor the 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 government or society at large only saw fit to take tax dollars and create hospitals so that things like cholera or syphilis, these infectious disease, just didn't spread everywhere. TB, let's create a hospital Ah. so that the poor people that have TB don't spread it to the rest of us. So then it was in the public interest to create hospitals. That didn't mean that the hospitals were these, um, you know, ivory towers of, of goodwill and good health. A lot of them were supported by churches because you, you had a difficult time even generating the amount of money it took to run them. So you look at, um, at at what healthcare looks like in in a poorer country. And literally going to the hospital is what happens after you've gone to the local community healer, after you have waited things out because you're afraid of how much it costs. And by the time you go to the hospital, you are already far gone. This is when you haven't been able to walk for a few days. This is when you've had fever for a week. And so by definition, most people who are going to the hospital are people who are already at the sickest end of the spectrum, which means most people going to the hospital are already going to die. So that creates this this illusion that the hospital is where you go to die, not where you go to get better. Yeah, where you go to die. And so there was a huge amount of reluctance to even go to the hospital because that was the association. Not that the disease was causing the death, but the hospital, <laughs> is there. You take the African-American context. And we have an entire history of mistrust with yeah. the, um, the the formal institution of health. You, Everybody knows about Tuskegee, right? Right. Right. Uh, but it, it goes back even, even further than that. Um, some people are familiar with the story of Henrietta Lacks. So Henrietta Lacks in the 1930s, this was a black woman living in Baltimore mm-hmm. and, uh, she was having some, um, some bleeding from her pelvis, started to get some, uh, attention at a local hospital, actually a Johns Hopkins hospital. And at the time they were doing cancer research. Well, without her permission, and without her consent, they extracted some of the cells from her uterus. She actually had uterine cancer. And those cells are, are now used today in well over, I would say, tens of thousands of different labs across the world. In fact, when I was doing research at NYU, we were use those same cells. We call them HeLa cells, H-E-L-A. That abbreviation was from Henrietta Lacks.
0: Oh, really? We know her
1: DNA. We know um, there's been patents, tens of thousands of patents that have come from her sale. None of her family ever got permission. None of her family ever got compensated. In fact, it was only about 10 years ago when a book was released that became a New York Times bestseller called The Immortal Life of Harriet That more people um, became aware. So I, I tell that story because Tuskegee was just the start of it. There are multiple... Um, instances where the 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 care community has lost the trust of african-americans
0: man oh man see look at that that's why i got you on here man because <laughs> this is the information this is why yeah. we're all <laughs> that's why our psyche is yeah. all jacked up and that uh someone can go to the hospital and then something goes wrong and then instead of understanding that you may have taken too long to even get to the hospital, we just automatically blame the doctors and the nurses (laughs) because it's easier really to place blame on someone else than have the whole accountability. So that's really what I wanted to kind of talk about from that. So how can we as men as a whole and then we as black men, how can we, you know, uh, change our mindset and our thought process around, uh, early prevention, uh, being very proactive about our health, uh, um uh, like I right here, you have one that says 44% of black men are overweight or considered to be overweight, mm-hmm. 37.5% are obese.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, yeah, that's that's pretty crazy. Like, that's a you know, and I know we look at YouTube and we see all these fitness videos, that's a very small percentage, yeah, of men yeah. who are actually in the mindset to be healthy, you know right. what I'm saying. And normally, and this is what I I was literally laughing with my wife because I was like, what cracks me up is that So I'm a gym guy. And Mm -hmm. so when I go in there, it's like there's never an intermediate guy that's in the gym, right? (laughs) So it's either you're like all the way out of control or you're like super beyond fit to where no one can even catch up with you, you know, Uh, So because I always consider myself to be like this intermediate guy. So I'm like not overweight and all that stuff, but then I'm not super duper ripped up to where I can only, you know, get to eat ice chips. Um, (laughs) uh, But I look in the gym and I say, you know, when do we actually accept the accountability to say that, yo, I literally have to make sure that I'm here. Uh, I got a 16 year old son. I want to be able to, I want to be able to play basketball and run and have, and hang out and then turn around and then be a grandfather that's available.
1: That's right. (laughs) That's right. I, That's I literally
0: right. want to be available, not just a grandfather, but I want to be available, which means that I can take grandkids to the zoo. The right. zoo requires walking. That's right. And if That's the right. heart ain't right, you can't even participate in a healthy little walk just at the just a small little zoo. You can't even enjoy that because of the long lingering. So my thing is this is one of the biggest things that. that um, why. Uh, so you kind of spoke to the why. And we know this is like a, you know, we've been kind of programmed somewhat. Yes. Uh, yes. So but then the next why I have is that why would that mindset stay there even when you see the men, the, the resources here uh, are just unlimited? Uh, even if you're not really walking into a hospital, uh, you have urgent cares, you have so many different things. And then people do have money or have yeah. insurance. Yeah. Uh, And I don't, and mind you now, there is a, when I did my research on there, there is still a a very, you know, large stretch of people who do suffer still with no insurance or very low end of insurance. Sure. Um, Right. Right. uh, So my thing is, is that how do we put in practice as men to be able to get ourselves over that hump? Yeah. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like I got a little ache in my shoulder. It's like, should I go? or they're going to have me in there and then something else is going to go wrong. See, that was always been my fear is that I'm going for one thing and then they're going to find something else.
1: (laughs) So that's, so (laughs) there's some interesting, some interesting stats I'll share with you. So there are 10 reasons that are often listed as why black men neglect their health. One, I don't have a doctor. Two, I don't have insurance. Three, I don't have time. Four, I don't think there's anything wrong. There's no reason for me to go see a doctor at all. Five, I don't have to pay for the prescriptions or the copay or the visit, even if I do have insurance. Right. Six is I go in there. They listen to my heart. They listen to my lungs. They don't do anything. It's, it's, there's not going to be a, a tangible benefit from actually going there. Uh, seven, I don't want to hear what I might be told. I don't want to find out. I've i don't want to hear them. no
0: bad news. Right.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and I don't, it's, it's been, <laughs> ignorance is bliss. Right. Right. Eight. I don't want to be touched. I don't want to be examined. I don't uh, want the doctor
0: put his hands. <laughs> yeah. I didn't even think about that, but you're right. <laughs>
1: if, and, and, you know, um, but there's a couple more. Nine is, is that toxic masculinity you were talking about? The fact that if you're strong enough, then you don't have to, um, need medication. Right. And it's just this whole idea of somebody's pressuring me to do it. So I'd rather do it of my own volition. But I'll tell you one thing, Quentin, when you hear this, you're going to say, you know what? I think that probably is part of the issue. The main issue is lack of a relationship with a physician that we trust as black men. There you go. There is a very small number of uh of African Americans in healthcare um, and an even smaller number of black men who serve in the role of say primary care. Right. And the reason why I know this is because my wife's a dermatologist. I'm a pediatric anesthesiologist. We have very you know specific specialties. We get questions from our family all the <laughs> time. Right. All the time. I'm why? Sure. Because there's a relationship. Yep. There's a relationship. Yeah. I can trust what my son's going to say. I can trust what my cousin's going to say. I can trust what my granddaughter is going to say. When I call my grandmother, who just turned 90 uh, last month, God uh-huh. bless her soul. Um, me and grandma, we, we talk about some health stuff. There's yeah. always a, a list of things that she wants to you know, get my opinion about. But the fact that we don't have either access to uh, a Black physician, yeah. especially a Black male physician, or we don't know where to find one. That's usually the first hurdle that prevents us from saying, you know what? I have insurance. I'm middle-class. I can afford this, but I'm not quite there yet.
0: Yeah. So in other words, we need relationship. Need relationship. <laughs> and that yeah. is really how we, that is how we actually, uh, that's, how we, that's how we move. That's how we that's move. Right. We. That's right. uh, we're very loyal to stores based on a relationship. You know, right. like you can move all the way across town but you'll go all the way back over to where you used to stay just to be there because you have a relationship with them. So I think that you're on to something right there that we do have to really, but that's one of the reasons why I wanted to kind of bring you on. Um, and we, and we talked about it that, I mean, I know your schedule is busy. Uh, your wife's a doctor, you're a doctor, then you got the little one, the little lady there. So I know that the time is, um, um, it's very compact. Uh, but, uh, I, that's what I was really talking to you about, which is just have you on the show as much as your availability is there. Uh, because then you would become a friendly face to whoever is watching or whoever, you know, right. enjoys the, the I show. Think but I got,
1: that guy knows what he's talking about. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, I mean,
0: eventually. Uh, but I think too is that because we really want to open up the platform to where people can start asking questions. We may not right. get a lot today. Uh, But if we stay very consistent and diligent uh, with the message, because the message basically is that we really want to be proactive as black men Uh, and then men as in general. um, uh, And and I normally talk and generalize, you know, I normally generalize uh, the conversation. But when I did my research, we as black men have to do better. Absolutely. Uh, uh, As I looked on here, so it says 10 leading costs of death. Mm -hmm. Heart disease, of course, is number one, number one. uh basically because of anste- at the at the our ancestors and then the way that we have been conditioned with eating uh, yeah. that has to be broken at yeah. some cycle in life, we have to break right. you know we, we we may not be able to get rid of all of it, but I think that we definitely have to do some shaping and squeezing and and and, and then plucking away of some foolishness that right. we have in Small our life Small yeah, step.
1: so we can move.
0: Uh, And then we have cancer, right? So heart disease is 23.7% of deaths for black men. Um, And this is right after you get from suicide. So suicide literally is the number one for black uh, for men in general. And then even for black men, it was pretty high. we were still like at a 40% for suicide, which is a lot. And it's preventable. And it's, preventable. Uh, and it's very preventable but once again relationship
1: yeah,
0: uh, it, yeah. It, you know most people who jump into the that uh into certain places like that are isolated uh and so it lacks relationship to be able to get you know someone to actually be able to help but we as men we have to open up and 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 this is what we're going to be talking this whole conversation is going to be based around us learn how to open up our mouth and just scream out help uh, yeah. and then creating yeah. relationships with other men that will help us be able to exactly do that. You know, yeah, yeah. Um, you, you,
1: too, you brought two things to mind, Quentin. One, um, around last year, it's been about a year and a half now, uh, my wife had a, an employee whose husband was my age. So I'm 38. So at the time, actually, he was 36. Mm-hmm. Great young man, three beautiful kids, married for, I think, 11 or 12 years, maybe even longer than that. And um, he woke up in the middle of the night with chest pain, no prior past medical history, no medications. Um, And by the time he got to the hospital, he passed away. The man was 36 years old and died of a heart attack. And it wasn't like everyone in his family had died or There were a couple of people in his family who had some history of heart disease. And I don't think that he was seeing a physician regularly nor was there the, was there the awareness that if, you know, if my my brother or my sister right. had issues at 50 or 40, that means I got to start looking at 30. Right. Um, and it's like what you said, you have to start thinking about what is my motivation. Your motivation isn't yourself. Right. It's your kids, it's your it's your spouse. Um, and even if you're not married, you don't want to die before your parents,
0: you know. Right. You really don't. <laughs> you, got, you really don't. You,
1: got, you have siblings and, and, and a whole community of people out there that either care about you and depend upon you. So if you're not doing it for yourself, do it for them. Yeah. That's what, number one. And then number two, what you mentioned about having community and network. So I'm a part of um, a group of young men. We're all husbands, dads, uh, men of faith. And uh, we were doing weekly phone calls and now we've been um, taking things offline and working through chat. And I'm telling you the stuff that um, we have been able to confide in one another, yeah. whether it's marital stress, mental stress, financial stress, that is our, our network of support. Yeah. And to have that as just one tool and being able to be more resilient when it comes to mental health, I think should be a necessity for all black men.
0: Yeah. And we have to do well, and this is the thing is that uh, we do have pockets of that type of relationship. Uh, They're just normally more on the criminal side, Um, Hmm. uh, which which I hate to say, but a lot of your gangs uh, Hmm. or just You know, just that, that just those guys who don't have fathers and, and then they lean on each other. Now, the, you know, the, uh, the outcome or the, the the, you know, the things that come out of those relationships are negative, um, but they, but they use the relationship for something positive for them, which is being able to go to a group of men who have their back a thousand percent. And, sure. and, and mind you, like I said, it's negative tone. Like the whole thing has a negative uh, tone to it. But I think that one thing you can pull from that is that that actually does work. Those guys do bond together. Uh, mm-hmm. It's under some crazy circumstances, yeah. But, yeah. but the relationship that they build and the bond that they have, that they do actually cover each other. Like you said, I have a little network of guys that I communicate with. Right. Um, and then that we can literally pour in. And I tell those guys right away, if you go down in flames, yeah. if your marriage sinks, yeah. if you personally sink, th- it will now be your fault because you're in a company of guys who you actually said that you actually trust. And we have actually confided in one another. Right. Um, right. And so and what we turn, you know, sometimes we think what we do is bigger or worse than what someone else does. And so uh, my biggest thing for men, especially black men, we're very touchy about giving people information because I don't want (laughs) Jamie to have up on me. I mean, I don't want to be out somewhere and this dude can crack a joke or something on something that I gave him that was Mm -hmm. personal uh, right. because of the way that once again, this is a lot of conditioning that
1: yeah. we've yeah.
0: had over our lifespan. Um, but now I'm just saying that today is like, we have to do something different, uh, and we can't keep using the way we were conditioned as a crux to actually never do something different or get better at it. Right. Um, and, and I'm, and, you know, and I'm with all of the whole, you know, our, what happened back then and we're like this because we are, and all that stuff. But my think is that okay, and we know that.
1: Yeah, so
0: what do we do today? Because
1: personal accountability
0: definitely. listen homo- yeah. homicide is up is five percent, yeah, diabetes is four point three percent. Okay, we ain't even got over to the mental side yet, right? This is just physical, this is just neglect on the physical part of our body, just saying that hey, this ache is not as bad as I think it is. Or I have a high threshold of pain, so I'm not going to do anything. Right, right. Uh, we're not even getting to where homicide on its own is, is, is one of the leading causes of our young black males dying. Right. Homicide between 1 and 19, they got here is 35.3% of deaths. So this is like some great. So we literally went right from a physical state that right. can be broken that leads right into the mental state right so that's why i wanted to put i combined both of these together i know a lot of people were talking about mental mental state by itself but i was like the mental and the physical go together
1: There there is, it is in fact in 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 medicine we call it the bio cycle social model of health yeah bio cycle social yeah so bio is the biological that's acknowledging that our genes play a role Um, the psycho is calling upon uh, the role of mental health and for African-Americans we always bring in spiritual when we talk about mental health Yep. and the social is the community when you have poverty when you have racism when you have lack of fathers present that is going to contribute to a unhealthy community in fact A number of states have now um, declared racism as a public health emergency, including here in Michigan. And they're taking something social and they're connecting it to health. So all of those things are are completely intertwined, biopsychosocial, so it means you take care of your body, you take care of your spirituality, you take care of your community. And that's the only way that we're going to have an impact that's meaningful, not just for ourselves, but also
0: for, for others. Right. And we really want to change the society. I mean, we do a lot of, you know, you hear a lot of talking about, you know, why is the society in the place that it's at, or why do we have black on black crime? Why do we have all this stuff? And I think you nailed it right on the head, which is those fathers not being in the home. Hmm.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, yeah. Which really brought me when you say six out of 10 men experience at least one trauma in their lives. It says men are more likely to experience trauma related to accidents physical assault, combat disasters, or to witness death and injury PTSD. Um, it also talks about traumatic events, avoiding situations, key dangers. It's talking about flashbacks. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. people understand, like, when you, all these terms sound like something that would actually be done, or you would actually talk more from a, a list of someone who's been in war. Yeah, uh, But... <laughs> Not having your father in your life is a very huge traumatic uh, situation. Yeah. The trauma from that alone has right. sent our young black men out of control and our young black women out of control.
1: Absolutely, yeah.
0: And it's so powerful that it has taken even our white brothers and sisters out of control, Indians, <laughs> Hispanics. I mean, you can go down the list. Is that That one piece, yeah. a father in the home, has really spiraled a lot of mental health issues on just that one thing alone has, I mean, I grew up, I mean, my dad was in my life, but uh, my mom and my dad got divorced when I was 10. Yeah. Uh, So I was impacted by a trauma at 10 years old. Like I literally had to grow up at 10 to help my mom. Like that's a traumatic, (laughs) that's And we normalize it because it's
1: so common.
0: And that's and, just what so I was going to say. You normalize it, yeah.
1: And you take it back and acknowledging that uh, our history does not necessarily preordain our future. But there was a point where the black family wasn't allowed to be a whole unit. Yep. You know, it was it was part of the institution of slavery. In order for it to flourish, they could you could not have a strong okay. uh, network that might try to resist the oppression that was happening. So right. husbands and wives would be sold off. Right. Or um, imagine how traumatizing, imagine this, imagine you have a spouse that the master decides he wants to be in the house. Next thing you know, your wife is pregnant by another man. I know. We we, wouldn't, we don't handle that well. We don't handle have... <laughs> that lead, it. That leads to domestic violence. That leads yes. to all sorts of things that have perpetuated itself down um, through the black community. And going back to uh, the experience in Africa, when you spend time in in the motherland, you realize there's a very different um, outcome when you describe the African experience and the Mm -hmm. African-American experience, very different. You don't see the toxic masculinity as much. You don't see the same types of um, repercussions that, that have come from slavery, but as you said, personal accountability plays a role too. And I think yeah. once we have that awareness, once yeah. we're a bit more self-aware, that's when it's upon us to, to get help, to talk about it uh, and, and find ways to, to heal and, move, and move, move on.
0: Yeah, I think w- the accountability piece, I think is gonna be the most important part um, because I think that we're always gonna have to continue to talk about um, that whole situation uh, really did a number, uh, mm-hmm. because it was yeah. all mental. Uh, and you know, the first thing you want to do is when you're trying to get somebody to do what you want them to do or a large amount of people. Yeah. The first thing you gotta do is change the mindset yep. by striking in fear, et cetera, et cetera. So I yep. think that when you do take away a father out of a home mm-hmm. and that's been the thing, uh, been, it's been something that's been passed along for so long and I think you said the, I think the magic word, which is normalizing. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, so now it's normal for dads not to be in a house. Yes. Uh, but if you go back 50 years before, we had some normacy. Fathers were in the home. Right. I'm not yeah. saying everything was perfect, but I'm just saying that fathers were in the home.
1: Yeah.
0: Crime and all that kind of stuff was a lot lower. Yeah. Now the thing was that the father still dealt with mental issues. So see, so may. But the one thing I would say is that the father actually lowered the chances of the son and the daughter having to deal with that. So when I say accountability, that's what I'm just saying is from that standpoint. Right. Uh, I'm 45, so I, you know, I'm 70. I was born in the 70s, so uh, right there, I'm right on that cusp of of where it could still have been kind of tricky, you know, yeah. with, with different States and and laws and stuff. But the right. thing is, is that when I look at these numbers and I look at that, you know, we as, as men or black men are like literally, uh, going over to suicide as a way to fix things. Uh, we definitely have to have some conversations. Um, yeah. I yeah. think that we as black men have to actually start stepping up to, not only have these open platforms, right? Because this is great. And everybody wants to be seen on the big platforms and podcasts and YouTube channels. But my thing is that when all that stuff is shut down, you know, cause, yeah. uh, and this is not Bible study, everybody, but me and Jamie, we <laughs> love the Lord. Okay. So <laughs> right, right, that's right. Uh, God is the center of uh, our lives. And so okay. Uh, okay. when, when, when it all comes down to it, God is expecting us actually to do more work in the, when the door is shut
1: That's than right. we do
0: in public. Uh, so this platform is not really to showcase anything, but to actually provide information. Right. And then that one door to an African-American physician yeah. who can just sit down and give us information that we right. need. You know, right. my lower right. back is hurting. It's been hurting for 10 months or two or three to four years. You know you that's something that you'll be looking at saying, "Man, you really need to get in there. You know, you right. need to go get that check." And I remember I had a um oh. I think I told you what I had. What was it uh prostate check. Right. <laughs> Listen. Yeah. <laughs> it was the worst thing in the world. And so I get, and I literally <laughs> And the thing is, this is that I went into the doctor and I had a Christian, uh, 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 older black gentleman. Okay. Um, and I probably was in there for like two and a half hours. Now, you know, checking a prostate takes like, it's like a
1: <laughs> two minutes. It's like a, it's like a quickie, right? <laughs> right.
0: But we really started talking. He really started educating wow. me the way that you're saying, which is if you come in, if hey fellas out there, if your chest hurts now you should go in and get it checked because you can be helped now. Yeah. So if your chest hurts day one, go get it checked out on the second day. Yeah. Yeah. So that way they can catch whatever it is. And so he really was breaking it down to me. He said, let me just tell you that from a cancer standpoint, he was like most black men and ladies that come in are normally at stage three to four because they don't all those signs that they have, they don't come in because basically, like you said, that relationship is that, Oh, when I go in here, they're going to try to do. And it's like, yeah, no, your body needs like God, literally physicians have been around since Jesus. Hey, Luke, Luke, listen, come on.
1: Luke. Luke, I mean,
0: a physician, like they were put here for a reason. Physician. Now, don't get, don't get me wrong. As every physician, they're, for the heart. No, you know right. why? Because right. it's very lucrative. So you're going to yeah. always have a split. Anything that has a lot of cash flow, right, right. you're going to always get a 50, 50 split, 60, 40 split because Hey, we need money to live.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I
0: mean, yeah. I, I literally told my son, I was like, Hey, do you have a passion for something? Well, no, not yet. We'll go make some cash. <laughs> so go right listen, right Go be right. a dentist. Right. Uh, go be a sports medicine doctor. These are a couple of things that's on his list. And right. I was like, listen, you don't have to be married to it. But the right. thing is, those things will provide you to be able to take care of a family, which is something that you should be able to do when you leave from up under me.
1: Right. But you're absolutely right. I think it's, it's um, part of the mistrust does sometimes come from, you know, are they ordering this test? When I don't need it, right? Am I being sent for this X-ray when it's not required? Um, And that's why having a relationship with a physician. You know, back in the day when we didn't have so much globalization, there was a community doctor. It was right. uh, Doctor Such and Such, Doctor Slater down the street. That was my right. grandmama's doctor. That's my mama's doctor. That's my right. uncle. You trust them. Doctor Slater tell you that you need to go get an X-ray. You go get an X-ray. You don't ask. For... <laughs> right. But in in today's you know. Uh, world of globalization and and the fact that we relocate so so often we don't really have long-term community networks
0: right we don't
1: But going back to the spiritual because i think this is important for the african-american community we sometimes will have an either or approach to disease and whether or not we use our faith or medicine right you don't have to go to the doctor we're just going to pray about it and, and I can't tell you how many times I've heard a testimony or a sermon where it says, and the doctor told me that I wasn't going to Jesus, <laughs> right. And so, you know, we almost get vilified in that sense. Right. But this is what I have to say. This is my own personal opinion. And it comes from it comes from the scripture. If you look in, in the book of John, when um, Jesus heals the man who is the blind man who's at the well, right? Mm-hmm. He does something very interesting. He doesn't just touch the man to heal him which he could do right right? and and we have lots of examples of how the laying on of hands is how healing happens instead what did he do he he spit into mud he put mud on the blind man's eye so he used uh, a material a medium right a medium to confer the healing right it was medicine he didn't just use the power of his words which would have been good enough Right. he actually decide to put that power in something else right and i think we can look at medicine the same way you know if if all good things come from the lord above there are um undeniable benefits from from medicines right. and not that we should be dependent upon them but they can be the medium for healing and you can do both right you can listen to your physician that you trust and you can pray for your mental health, your physical health, whatever it is. But it's right. not either or; it can definitely be both. And I think the Black community as as um, is is uniquely challenged when trying to figure out how to approach those things.
0: Yeah, I definitely agree that that balance is uh, can be taken one sided sometimes. Yeah, uh, and I think because basically, you know, even though God's word says that, you know, like this this Christian walk would not be just an easy, breezy, right. non-tampered, you know, we think that we shouldn't be tampered with as Right, Christians. right, right. Um, or, you know, why did my grandmother pass away from this and, you know, their grandmother didn't? It's like, read the scripture and you'll find out that. Um,
1: we weren't promised.
0: <laughs> you, know, you weren't promised. And this is the thing. The one thing you were promised was eternity. Yeah. So, yeah. Th- everything else is literally, you know, you, you pray, you, you know, you can, you read your word, you stand firm. My thing is that I take, I, I ask everyone this is that what do you take away from being a Christian? See, I mm-hmm. take that the peace of God is there. Mm-hmm. See the peace of God actually protect your mental state. Right. Right. You no, know, like, you know, you ever ever talked to someone and they get uh, all this stuff hit them and they look and you're looking at them and you're thinking, like, dude, your whole life just come crashing down. Yeah,
1: yeah. And
0: I'm not talking about someone who's over religious, where it's just like, oh, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. But it's just like, hey, you know, yeah. stuff happened. Um, you know, God yeah. will give it back to me. You know, that's just nonchalant. And you're like, like your like, life is God. crumbling, <laughs> and you're thinking, oh, well, you know, I'm gonna go pray and um, yeah. and 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 whatever God sees fit for me, you know, A, B, and C. And I've always told God that that's the type of peace that I want. Yeah. Is that, and which I call in my house, which is like Vidak, Vidak face, like faith, which is if all this is gone and we're living under Vidak, you still have to give God everything that you have. <laughs> right. Right. You have to, and this is the thing, this is what God is expecting. But the enemy's job, the devil's job is to get into our mental state. That's right. So depression and anxiety are two of the strongest manipulative manipulative tools that the enemy it's uses.
1: Right, right. Fear, right? It's,
0: it's <laughs> fear. Depression and anxiety piles on fear. And like I think it,
1: that's, a, that's a great insight for Black men to take ownership of their mental state. Because if there's anything that we are, we're resistant to being controlled, right? right. We're resistant to being manipulated. If I can convince you that part of the road to your own mental health is not letting fear control you, right. then all of a sudden you have uh, a, a new motivation to, right. to, to kind of fight the anxiety and, and not succumb to it. Same thing for depression, whether it's, it's fear that leads to depression or fear that leads to anxiety. Um, like you said, those are tools of manipulation, and if yeah. there's anything that we're not as black men, we're not okay with being manipulated by that, anybody. By anybody.
0: <laughs> that is like something that's like a strong pet peeve for us, uh, right. and, and so that's why I look at it and go. When I look at the suicide rate, and I go, yeah. "Okay, so if I know this is something in the core of us, mm-hmm. but suicide is like the last straw," and so I'm asking God, like, how do so what is needed between those two? And, uh, yeah. and basically it was a conversation. He just was like, mm. more people need to know stuff. Like we don't know enough yeah. stuff, which the Bible says that, Hey, people perish away. They perish right. because they have no knowledge. So, uh, right. if you don't read, uh, how do you know what the Bible says? If you don't read it, Right. Right. How do you know anything about your body if you don't read any books about your body? I mean, um, these are my whole thing that I look at. And, uh, you know, you really learn this stuff once you get married and then you have kids. Right. It's like, you know, (laughs) you turn it to your parents and you're saying all this stuff. Yeah. But but that's how you know it's just true, because they're mimicking their parent, you're mimicking your parents you're telling yeah. your kids, you better mimic me, you know, basically. Right. So yeah. the thing is, is that, but where in there are we literally going to just say, not only am I going to be a person and mimic it, but I'm also going to be a person to actually do it.
1: Right. Um, right. That's hmm. the duty of parenthood, because now oh. you gotta, you gotta walk the walk.
0: <laughs> and, 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 and that's the thing is that, uh, yeah. and one of me, me and my wife were talking and I was like, the funny part is that you can have a two parent home, And your kids can still have situations and issues you know why because even in a two-parent home kids can still experience some level of trauma yeah
1: Yeah. and
0: this is the and and that's what that's why i really like to dive into this like this is uh like i'm doing a new series everybody that's coming out um but it's called men hurt too yeah Uh, and we really want to just dive into some of those traumas so my mom <laughs> I, I know but I think it is. I yeah. I've been blessed. I've I've sent out a few guys. I hope you guys are listening. All those who say they're going to participate, you know, don't get scared. <laughs> but the thing is is that uh I mean you're a doctor. Yeah. Uh I'm sure that there's six or seven stories in there that would lead to something that impacted you that had you thinking. Ah, this is not worth it. Oh, yeah. why would I choose this? Oh my goodness. Yeah. Now this. So now you take that. Yeah. You complete the whole medical school residency. You you complete that. The trauma still stains you in some way.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely.
0: That's why they're called triggers. So as you're walking now, now you're not in the full, you know, tornado of it but now you're getting these triggers. And so now you're snapping on mama at the crib, right? Honey, you, right. she's just trying to make a little plate and now you like, you letting her have it. And she like, like where did that come from? And it was just something, a smell or something that triggered you. And now all of a sudden, now you having PSTD, you know, it's like, yeah. and as I said, that yeah. stuff is not just a war thing. That's like, if you came out of poverty and now you're successful, look how many guys that are successful who still fall. Right, right. Right. So you were, you had nothing, you got everything. Now you're back to nothing. You know why? Because the it's nothing not the party exactly. It never left. You've always thought you were nothing. Right. So the money doesn't change their value, your identity, or your purpose.
1: It's like how Tom Brady still thinks he's an underdog.
0: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's an unbelievable
1: it's Look, the draft was a long time ago. You got to let that go.
0: (laughs) Well, but even like, but look at LeBron. He had that same mentality. Y'all better put some respect. It's like homeboy. (laughs) You're everything but the NBA logo.
1: Right, right.
0: You're everything for NBA, but the logo itself. But yet, mentally.
1: Right. And and I think I, I heard this interesting interview the other day. And it was talking about, um, how people get stuck when they transition to celebrity. So let's say you become a celebrity at 16, yeah. or you compare it to becoming a celebrity at 34. Whatever age you are when you become a celebrity, you make this massive transition is actually the age you get stuck at. So if you became if you if you're a kid actor and you become a celebrity at 16, you maintain that teenager's mentality almost for the rest of your career, and the same that whatever it was that you like to eat. Like like to dress, the jokes that you told, your your level of maturity, you sustain that, and I think that that isn't necessarily seen as trauma. But if you compare it to what happens in, in a traumatic situation, whether it's poverty, um, you know, transitioning from into celebrity, uh, it's it it gets seared into your brain, and right. it can be very challenging to transition away from that. No matter how hard you try, but going back to your point, having the awareness of it, knowing what those triggers are, whatever they may be, that's right. the first step to, to, to not letting it control you. The term trigger is a very powerful term. My wife and I talk about it. We know we have triggers. We've had that conversation with each other. <laughs> She knows. You, you listen,
0: <laughs> if you're married, you better have that conversation. You better have that conversation. You have it,
1: anybody listening to this podcast right now, if you haven't had this conversation, <laughs> <laughs> ever, go, go have, have it right have now. It. Right now. <laughs> right. Stop what you're doing and go have it right now because it it acknowledges um, how we can can um, how we can acknowledge the hurt that's happened to one another and not feed into that. Yep. And because and the, the counter argument is I should be able to say what I want to say, you know. I, you should be able to control yourself. But if if right. we can can acknowledge that that there's some things that are just deeper than that, right. uh, I don't want to have to apologize after I've been triggered. Let's talk about how we can communicate in a way that doesn't trigger it in the first
0: place. You know. Right. Uh, and and man, my my uh, I always say honey, but. Um, <laughs> You can go honey. Yeah. But so like so me and honey, we teach a a workshop and we do classes on teaching about boundaries Um, Mm -hmm. and boundaries. We talk about that actually helping from a mental state. It helps with those triggers. It helps with things that actually have had an imprint on your life uh, that helps protect you. And boundaries are not for the other person. Boundaries for you. They're Mm -hmm. not. So really, you don't even have to put a boundary in place to pacify the other person. You have right. got to be able to protect yourself. So when we're talking about mental health and, and, and things that we as men, we go through, right? Because we got to be breadwinners. Yeah. First of all, before I even get into that, being a man is so downplayed today mm-hmm. uh, that it's like unreal. Like it's, it's yeah. like unbelievable that you, women are now considered almost like head of households. Uh, and I'm going to give you a prime example. Yeah, I went and bought my wife a a new car for her birthday. She when she turned 40, so it's like five years ago. Okay, so when I go into the dealership, <laughs> uh, it was a very nice car. So when I went into the dealership, the guy goes, Um, I, I told him, I said, Hey, I'm here to get a car for my wife. She turns 40, uh, I think it's time to upgrade her. Boom, 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 boom. So he's like, Oh, okay, so he went silent. So I was like, Oh, yeah, so you know, what do you have? and he was like, Oh, is your wife coming in? <laughs> and so I was sitting there, and I was like, "Well, no, I'm here to buy her a car." And he yeah. was like, "Yeah, I know. Most guys say that, but basically, the wife is normally the yes on purchases." <laughs> wow. So I, I had to. Look, I told him I was like, "Well, no, in my house, that's not how it really. It doesn't work like that. Like, my wife is not our yes on whether or not we get stuff." <laughs> I mean. It just didn't make any sense to me because I was like, why would she be a person who would say, yes, this is what we're getting? I was like, if I'm the head of the house.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: As a leader of the house, I would say yes or no. And that literally comes after I've sat down with my best half. Right. And we have went through and talked about it and chopped it up and, and did all that stuff because you got to do that. That's, you know, let's not be stupid, fellas. Uh, right, you're not, right, you're not right, just, you're not right. just, I'm not just slamming yeah, it. Do
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: but I do a lot of groundwork and yeah. I've been married over 20 some years. So yeah. I, my groundwork was laid a long time ago, so I can walk and do Right. right. Uh, my wife trust. It's like I've built 20, 30, almost 30 years worth of trust in her. Uh, so right. when I'm making these moves, she knows that I've been very diligent in my thinking uh, uh, she and she literally just told me this like three weeks ago that she literally has no words because I process, over process. I write down, I, I formulate, I research. She's like, you do all this stuff. I know you're not going to sink us. You know, it's like after I watch you go a whole year of researching for one item, she's like, you're not going to, you know what I think? But I, I do that because I have to build this trust. I, I, I want to be the leader of this home, but you got to build trust in your wife so you can do that. So when you're doing that, when I look at the mental state and I'm like, men are in a full on battle with headship and a home with a woman.
1: Yeah. There's, there's, there's a lot, I think there's a lot of reasons for that. I mean, no it more, is what you describe as the prerequisite is often absent. So the prerequisite is a uh, long standing history of trust, uh, knowing your partner well, and having proven that over time, we don't see that as often. Right. Some- a lot of people are in relationships without ever getting married, or marriages don't last very long, or you take the chauvinistic approach, <laughs> which doesn't right. give you know a woman sense of equality. Being a head of household doesn't mean that you got that you don't see her needs as a priority. And in fact, right. her, they're above yours. Yep. They are. You're in control of making decisions, but that's only being that's servant leadership. That's how God was to His disciples. Jesus was to His disciples. Yep. And so, we don't see that example play out. And so, the the idea of uh, of male leadership in the household has now been manipulated to um, exploitation.
0: We're, oh that's, that's good, a good yeah, yeah that's a good <laughs> <laughs> you hear
1: male leadership it's like oh that's that's now a trigger for uh you trying to say something that you know uh women are equal no 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 that's not that's right not what's being said but unfortunately the way things have played out in society right. has been manipulative it has been exploitative it has been abusive yep and so it has just kind of eroded the institution of marriage it's not this it's, it's it's
0: hard to undo it it, it very I, listen and when you do that and society has got you know plays a big part um hollywood plays a huge part yeah sure. um, tell me about it a very huge part a lot of our stuff is governed basically off of, of off of Hollywood uh people who've yeah. been married thirty thousand times i mean i don't know how we set these parameters and these around how society should be ran by people who no, yeah. don't know no more than what we know. And it's like, but we're right. going to, but they get to dictate to us on how things are going to be ran. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then it messes me up that uh, in the world and then in the church divorce is basically almost neck and neck, right. uh, which is like really unbelievable that in the church that where they it's preached, you know, about the sanctity of marriage. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I think one thing that the church may miss and I, I got a lot of pastor friends and they might jump in here and say something, but uh, is, is the actual practicality. So the practical steps that it takes to manage a marriage, right. um, basically because the Bible gives you these, you know, these goals, they give you structure around how you should be governing yourself as a man, how the woman is supposed to be governed, um, I am the head, not because I want to be the head, because God told me I had to be the head. Right. So basically that's the way I lead with it is that, yo ladies, I'm sorry. I'm not <laughs> saying that he's the head because of anything other than God said that we are the head. Right. So the thing is that God expects us as men to actually own that up right. front. So it's don't just, go gonna... because life is going to hit you. And God expect us as men to actually get whole before we get a wife, because if she's broken, and I'm broken, then who fixes who? So what you do is now we're just in a battle zone. And I don't care how many times we talked about triggers and stuff, but if no one is actually whole, no one has to be whole. God expects the man to be whole. Like he expects us to actually live life, learn, come to him for healing. That's why our relationship is directly connected to him from the beginning. So when we're looking at all of these mental things, of course we can talk about them from a natural standpoint, but technically the connection to God is just broken. Right, Right. men' connection to God is broken. You could barely get a lot of men to actually participate in church at Mm -hmm. an alarming rate. Uh, You you can, and even if they are there, it's like how, what type of participation in church do they do? Right. Um, Right, and then that becomes a challenge because. You know, once again, we're just tough cookies, man. And I can't see that guy, God. I, you know, I just can't see him. And so, I know I need to be here, so I'm gonna be here. But I just can't see him. And so sometimes we're messing. Yeah. (laughs) And that's because you just won't take out some time to actually build a relationship by reading the word. If you read the word, the relationship is built out of you reading the word and praying. That's where your relationship is built. It's not really built from going to church. Yeah. Church (laughs) doesn't really build a relationship other than it builds a relationship with like me and you. Right, right. It helps us fellowship. It helps us fellowship. I mean, listen, if I'm going through, I want to be able to get to church so I can see Jamie and his wife right. and we can laugh and I ain't got no money. So hopefully he offered to take us out to right. dinner. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> You know what I'm saying? It's like that, right, that but that's what right. you, you're looking for that. You know, you get there, God put something on someone else's heart to actually help you. And so God is always there looking out for our mental state. Like he really wants our mental state to be there. That's why you have to, Trust in him, and the only way you can trust in him is that you got to actually humble yourself to be able to Humility. relax like you right. got to be able to relax, but the thing is is that like I said, those and you know thing we're imprinted with so many things you know mm-hmm. um we got divorced when I was ten, we moved around and lived in so many places that I can't even count basically uh we had a big fire in one house that burnt up all of our stuff. Wow. Uh, majority of all of our childhood pictures and all this stuff got burnt up in a big fire. I mean, it was like a boulder dude that just (laughs) came crashing down. And listen, and this is the thing, I don't even have the saddest story.
1: That's right. I hear you. I hear you. So
0: I don't even really talk about my story other than to say that there's another story that's sadder. Like it's another story that's actually... worse than what I even have. So I don't even, I mean, I talk about it because I do a podcast for men. But basically there's people who have war, like dude, if if I went to Rwanda with you, we would have saw people who had
1: brothers. Ooh, not even getting started with that. (laughs) I mean,
0: me and the wife went to Putakana. Uh And we're staying in a beautiful resort we leave out of the resort to get in some dune buggies and right outside of the walls of the, of the, of the, uh, the resort, the people are living in like these wooden, literally like it was like 1818, like literally f- like a four by eight box with a metal can on top to, so the rain won't get on them. But no water, no heat, no nothing, just windows with cutouts in the wood. And I was like, so I'm yeah. eating lobster Right, right. And you guys have a power plant that's powering us up. Wow. Wow. So you see what type of things are happening to people that actually lead your mind in such a disarray. So that, listen, that's just right there. And then you got people right here in the U.S. who are not even bad people, right? They're not even bad people, but they they just can't get a break. (laughs) Hmm. That's another thing that plays on your mind. Like the enemy is going to continue to play on your mental state, yeah, yeah. and so I can see how things can actually uh, escalate.
1: Yeah, to a tipping point. You just to a tipping like point. You you've met you you you're at your limit, and it's all ties back to mental health. Um, but what you were saying about this idea of um, having or f- feeling this psychological burden is something that is exacerbated for African-American men. Yeah, You know, when it comes to the challenges that we face with racism, but still the expectations to be the provider, still exactly. the expectations to um, have a job where you've put in 20 years, 25 years, 30 years, didn't get the promotion, got passed up multiple times. Yeah. You have, you know, the expectations to be, um, uh, you know to, to to meet all to do all of these things for all these people and yet you we internalize it it manifests itself as stress it manifests itself as then as high blood pressure yep. It can manifest in poor eating um speaking about some of the statistics smoking is one of the top oh. <clears throat> five um, areas right. of attention for uh men's health month yep. in general and, and uh, amongst african-americans somewhere around one in five african-americans are smokers which is not that different from whites but the problem is we have a three percent success rate when it comes to quitting theirs ranges from 30 to 60 percent ours is three percent plus when it comes to lung cancer we have higher rates of lung cancer deaths than compared to whites whether it's because we have other Health conditions in addition to the cancer, or because we don't have health care, or because we get attention later on in life, we're more likely to die from smoking than um, than our white counterparts. So you take all those stresses; they manifest themselves in our physical health. They manifest themselves in our our mental health, and ultimately, it you know our our community can't thrive if we're not around to support.
0: And that's the that's the thing is that we have got to figure out that. Uh, and, I mean, I, I've seen a few of my, my friends that, are, uh, that I network with, uh, they've done the same thing, which is set up a platform to really talk about mental health. Uh, because men go through, a, you know, we, like I said, it's such a downplay on men that, you know, no one really, it's like, oh, men don't have a hard job. I was like, it's a hard job <laughs> yeah. to be a provider,
1: yeah.
0: to convince a woman to follow you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> listen yeah. it is hard work yeah <laughs> to convince it's a second job listen it's household. a second listen <laughs> the, running a <the> household is <laughs> a whole nother because you're literally every day yeah. you're dropping all these seeds to build this trust that's unbreakable in a woman to follow you to the ends of the earth that is a very hard job if you're very consistent you're very intentional you you right. For you to tell me that you and your wife have talked about triggers, that's intentional. That's hard work. Yeah, being right. a proactive is hard work. Everybody, listen, anyone can be reactive. Right. <laughs> Animals right. are reactive.
1: That's right. That's right. That's so, right. I
0: mean, being reactive is like, it's a, it a no brainer, but it takes right. strategy. Mm-hmm. Um, it takes strength. It takes a, a willingness to be humble. And, right. and, and then ultimately it should take A small village of other men. Um, uh, When I'm talking to guys, I'm always telling that you should always look like this, right? So you Mm -hmm. should have one hand that's grabbing someone who's better, smarter,
1: Mm -hmm.
0: more strategic. Listen, make sure that brother is got, I'm talking light years more than you. Right. right. It's okay. Listen, (laughs) fellas out there. It's okay. (laughs) <laughs> it's okay. It's okay to have a guy in your life that's way better at you than a, a way better at better than you at a lot of different stuff that you have going on, right. because then that way you have someone you can always trust that's going to get you if you got a guy in your life that's very consistent, right. uh, his character and his integrity all match the way that he lives. Right. right. Uh, he's centered in Christ, right? This is someone that you can literally run through and drop a note to. And he'll literally start off by saying, let me pray for you, talk to you, give you some money. Let me make sure this is a, like this guy is not asking for nothing. And then when you guys have any talks, he's never bringing up what he's done. Like these are the type of people that you want in your life. But then you also have to be that person.
1: Right. But his other
0: hand is actually going down and grabbing someone.
1: That's right. That's the And taking
0: what you get and then dumping it on somebody.
1: Yeah, pay it forward. <laughs> I mean, you,
0: I mean, pay I know we use it. It's such a cliche thing, you know, pay it forward. But I'm like, no. Once that person gets up to where you're at, you should be passing them over. Right. Then, Listen, it should be a, a cycle. The cycle should be right. back. Eventually, the guy you're holding, you're going to get enough stuff dropped into you that mm-hmm. eventually you guys are going to be neck and neck. And he's going to let you go. And he's going to say, hey, go grab a couple of more guys because right. I got a couple of more guys. And so I think that that is how we actually start changing what has happened to us from the past. Right. We got to get back to actually building these circles of, uh, of men who yeah. can lean on each other, who can build each other up, who are not in direct competition. Right. Quentin Crumby is not in direct competition with Dr. Jamie Snell.
1: Right. <laughs> Never that
0: only way I could be in direct competition with you. If I was exactly what you are in every ounce right. of your life and I'm not, and, that's and no you- one is.
1: That's right. That's where, that's where humility comes in. And it's a huge part of personal growth. You can't really grow if you don't have the ability to, to, to acknowledge that, that reality. And what you described obviously would look great in a father son dynamic. And in fact, it can exist in a father son dynamic. It doesn't mean that it's exclusive. You don't just have to have one of those types right. of relationships, but right. often, like you said, the, the father figure is often missing from the, um, from our lives when we talk about the the black male community, yeah. But you're, you're what you're describing, man, if that network. I, I have that relationship in my life. I have a, yeah. I have a one up here and, and down here, and it's and it's interesting because it's so foreign that when I am, um, you know, pre-COVID, I'm paying for dinner or lunch when we go out, or, uh, you know, passing on these these nuggets of wisdom and knowledge. It's so foreign that I would hear a lot of comments like, "Oh man, why are you doing this?" or "I can't believe you're doing this." And we should we should make that you know a enormous. trend. You know, be, yeah. yeah. We we if we're talking about how to make an impact that goes beyond just ourselves and our conversations, it's those types of uh, relationships, something that can perpetuate, something that can be shared something that will evolve and have an impact beyond just one, you know?
0: Yeah. I, I'm definitely with you on that a thousand percent. Um, I think that, um, I, I know when I reached out to, uh, uh, Dr. Peter. Peter. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I want to say Dr. Peter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Doctor
1: Peter, right. Peter. That's
0: right. But yeah, but to Peter, it was like, Hey, I, I, I need somebody I can connect with, but I need someone I can like, I want to like build a relationship. I like, want to connect with somebody, but then I'm also, like I told you before, I'm like trying to change my, uh, the way that my circle looks. So yeah. I got a group, I got an awesome group of friends that I have now. Uh, but I'm looking to add like some more, uh, diversity to it. You know, I don't, I don't need it to all be black. Um, I, hear you. I, I like some diversity because I like learning uh, new cultures. I like to learn, but and then also just a different voice, different perspective. That's right, different That's perspective. Right. I I enjoy that. Like I enjoy hearing somebody say, "Hey, I didn't know that, man. I've always did this and this." And then we can sit down and chop it up to get to a uh, to, to a resolve or whether I'm getting resolved or they're getting resolved. So I love the diversity, uh, but I just like young guys, man. You young guys are so smart, man. You guys are, <laughs> Listen, uh, I love Peter. Like Peter came in the family and I mean, I love Peter. He's a, he's a intelligent, I mean, Absolutely. very intelligent. Yeah guy right. who loves sports, right? He play ball. It's like, <laughs> right. he's got like both worlds rocking. So we talk yeah, about basketball,
1: that young
0: man. Uh, but he also has uh, uh, this very intelligent side to him. Uh But they spoke very highly of you. And they are like, listen, this guy is a smart guy. And then when we talk, we talked for almost two hours.
1: <laughs> Easily. I, I don't even know how much it felt like two minutes. I mean, Dude, the time just it, flew by. <laughs>
0: my wife was like, you've been on the phone with him that long. I was like, listen, <laughs> I was like, sometimes you meet people and then you gotta have them in your life. Like yeah. so I'm not afraid to do that. See right. at right. 45, I've just learned that if you meet somebody who's intelligent,
1: right, right. right. Who right. can
0: tell a good joke. <laughs> and I'm married, so you gotta be married. Right, right. To truly right. hang. I don't really hang with single guys now. I, yeah. I, I I'm not saying I don't have friends, but I'm just saying, like, but I don't hang out with right. single guys because we don't have the same things in common. Uh, right, right, right. But, you know, you being married, you know, you just got in marriage. Uh, you only been married for a minute. Uh, yeah, and yeah. then you have the new little one there. And so um, so I look at that and I look right now.
1: The hands yeah, are that's right. that's so where right. you can yeah.
0: teach me so much on one level. Right. Uh, I got almost 30 years with my, my wife.
1: Uh, <laughs> you can certainly got a lot to teach me. <laughs> uh, and I got
0: 16 years. I got a 16-year-old and I got a, Ooh, uh, uh, my daughter will be 11 next month. Um, so my thing is that, and that's what I'm saying is that we meet people every day, but you just can't be afraid, man. Yeah, right. You can't be afraid to go ahead and be, humble yourself. Like, I, listen, I have no problem with, with humbling myself and saying that I need Dr. Snell in my life. Uh, if he's just a guy that I can bounce off my aches and pains to.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. That's what I was
0: thinking. I was like, Hey, but I'm got- getting parenting advice
1: from Quentin on how to deal with my little girl. when she <laughs> Listen, <turns in> love. <laughs> and, and,
0: and what we do is then we build this community. Uh, and the next thing you know, our, our inner circle now has grown. That doesn't right. mean that I'm going into the circle you have with your friends. And right. I mean, you have now just created a new circle uh, right. that literally right. just impacts both of our circles. Right. Right. Like, the knowledge that you have based around what you bring to the table will definitely help the young guys that I have. That's why I want to have you on this podcast, because I think that uh, my wife was in medical school that you learn a lot. Oh yeah. I mean, yeah. I know even story. though you specialize, but you learn a lot of information. Um, yeah. So it didn't really matter that you didn't, you know, you're not a therapist or something like that, but I know that you have seen enough and heard enough to right. understand that, the physical and the mental health are in a direct conflict with each other every single day. If you got high blood pressure, that means you have some stress in your life somewhere in your life. You have stress. And if you don't have stress, then you really need to go see a doctor because you're way past <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like if you say, oh, I'm not, I don't have any stress.
1: <laughs> That's <you're>, a problem.
0: <laughs> That's it's, a, it's, a, it's a problem. That's <laughs> if a your right blood life. pressure is 180, you know, it's like, right. you don't have no, no, man, everything is just great. And your blood pressure is still up. That mean, you've went past the limit. Yeah. Of, yeah. Of, of being, you know, seen by a physician. So my yeah. thing is, is that in, uh, we're going to close this down and uh, basically because uh, we'd be on here for like two hours.
1: <laughs> um, <laughs> but right. I want to.
0: But the thing is that, yeah, basically, you know, uh, man, when your time opens up, you just shoot me a text and say, dude, I'm open on these couple of days. If you want to have a session, because uh, yeah. if you give me right, I'll be bugging you like, yo, you're free, you're free, you're free, you're free. <laughs> uh, but literally just open it up, man, whenever you have some time. Uh, where the wife is okay. And, and, and your little lady is okay with you, you know, dedicating a a little hour or so uh, to the podcast, man, I I would love to continue to have you on. Um, I think that we'll continue to dive into both of these arenas. Uh, I wanted to kind of do an overview today and then going forward, then we'll go, you know, piece by piece. Uh, We'll talk about heart disease and then all the factors around that so that people can get an understanding of, man, I feel this, I feel that, all that. I might need to go. So I think if we start diving into these piece by piece, I think we'll have some fun. Um, But but if you got anything else, man.
1: No, I just want to encourage anyone who's listening to, to reach out to you and if they have, you know, specific questions or specific topics um, you know, you could forward anything to me or we can just discuss it, you know, live on the air. So just want to keep this moving, man. I mean, oh, yeah. Uh, I, uh, curve, curve.
0: I I definitely enjoyed myself, man. Once again, thank you very much uh, for uh, carving out a nice little hour and 10, 15 minutes, man, to uh, chop it up. Uh, really it. Uh, everybody out there, check this out, man. All you fellas, listen, do not be afraid to drop a comment if you um, are experiencing anything physically and you just yeah. kind of want to get, you know, a little information on it. That'll be cool. Or if you are feeling any anxiety, depression, anything that's like really bogging you down, uh, my email is also on uh, the podcast or the website there. And uh, just shoot me an email. Uh, I have some other friends, some therapists. I got tons of friends. God has blessed me to get into a good network of friends. So if I don't have the information, I have professional friends who will actually be able to lend that hand but you have to do the most courageous thing which is just ask the question there's no stupid questions uh so just uh be brave humble yourself ask and uh let's continue to keep this little movement going for mental health for black men and men all over the world uh this is your host quentin and uh i'm out
1: all right thanks man till next time
0: yes sir He's out.